This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the pod. Good to see everyone again and... um, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, hopefully, you know, in a, a more positive way because of, well, the obvious good results, um, obviously, at the weekend. Uh, but before we get into all that, uh, Dan Buxton, welcome back to the pod, mate. You OK? Yes, the ever-present is here again. I'm, uh, I'm all right, thank you. Buzzing after those three points and three goals at the weekend. Cracking. Yeah, mate, what a surprise. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. Speaking of uh, of never-present, I already said ever-present, didn't you? Sorry, Dan. Uh, oh, sorry, Andy. Yeah, Andy's not with us tonight, uh, but we've had we've had an upgrade, so it's all right. Uh, we've been joined by uh, Brendan. Uh, so, Brendan, welcome to the pod, mate. Thank you very much for having me. No problems, and thank you for for coming on a bit last minute. We appreciate it. Um, so, just for anyone who who doesn't know of yourself, and obviously, I know you've got got a very very big Facebook group that we you know we're members of. Um, do you want to just give a bit of intro? You know, what's your background? You know, what what made you start up the Facebook group? Your lasting memories, etc. Just so people can get to know you a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been a Stoke fan for thirty five years. Um, basically, we got all these Facebook pages that were going, but we hadn't got anything to bring the fans around the world involved. And I was like, we need to do something to get the people that are distant more interactive. So I introduced the fan page, which is Stoke City fans from all around the world, to bring the fans back home to our to our group, which is, it's just gone phenomenal. We went from like 200 members to nine and a half thousand, but we only have Stoke fans. We are limited to only Stoke fans, no other fans. So we're kind of bringing everybody back home. I was going to say, mate, there's not many Facebook groups of any kind that are nine and a half thousand people strong. Pretty impressive. Um, we've got a great admin team as well. Basically, um, we wanted to make sure everybody's safe. <clears throat> we, um, we, inc- we include children, women, families, everything. And we're one family. And that's what we're trying to do is bring back the, the family spirit, not just certain groups. So that's what we've done. We bought, we've got people all over the world, Australia, Africa, um, even in Thailand, and they keep in contact. And then when we when we actually go abroad as well on holiday, they kind of meet up with us. It's absolutely fantastic idea, and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, brilliant, man. I'm sure a lot of them are listening tonight as well. And you know, if anybody obviously isn't a member of the group, make sure you go on Facebook and 
uh, get yourself joined. As I say, I can vouch for that, that it's a good group. So, uh, but yeah, mate, thank you very much for joining us. Um, and I just want to get straight into it. I mean, I don't know what team we were watching. Apparently it was a team called Stoke. It looked like Barcelona to me, but uh, we'll, we'll pretend it was Stoke. Um, and I mean, Brendan, we'll come to you first, mate. I mean, obviously a result that I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm speaking for you here, but I'm assuming you weren't expecting that result nor that performance at the weekend. After the last couple of performances, well, after the last home game, um, watching us for the first 15 minutes, pin and back, it was like, where's this come from? But this is like what we were like a few years ago, if you remember, like when we were under the Puleys and then when we got promoted and then we started to really dominate games as well. And then we've had really, really rough time the past few years. To watch that, it was like, you know, this manager, whatever he's doing, he's bringing the passion back. I think this is a good sign. If we go on from this to this Saturday, I've really got high hopes. I really have. I mean, who kind of stood out for you? I mean, I thought the fans were great for a start. I mean, that was the one thing that stood out for me. Um, but on the actual playing front, I mean, what players in particular stood out for you at the weekend? Uh, Fosu, uh, Sterling. Um, we, we were... We were better. I think at one stage, I'm sure we went four at the back, you know. And I, I was on the local radio, Radio Stoke, and I said the same thing on Praise and Grumble. Go back to the basics, go four at the back. But then he swapped, he swapped plays in, but Foster was outstanding. I think he threw him in his natural position. Yeah, he threw him in his natural position, and the shots he was doing, how many times have we screamed at Stoke, have a shot? It was so frustrating the past few years when we were passing sideways, going back, <clears throat> and this time, we were just shooting, and nine times out of ten, if a keeper's got to parry a ball, that's where the goal can come from anyway, but wow, I just, I don't know where he, what, what made him play like that, but if he plays like that every game, we've got a player on our hand. Yeah, absolutely, mate, I think he's had a bit of a slow start, didn't he, Dan, to, to kind of his time at Stoke, and I think it seems to be to me that as soon as he's been moved that little bit further forward, um, he's started to improve and show what he's capable of. Oh, yeah, he's like a different player. It's as if, like, it's as if we've subbed, subbed Tariq Fossil off and put a different player on. <laughs> he's that, like, chalk and cheese when he's going forward as to end defending. Um, but, like, are you saying there about, uh, about having shots, weren't you? And uh, Brad was saying there about having shots and, you know, if the keeper parries it, so, you know, who, who better to have up front than... Uh, Dwight Gale and Tyrese Campbell to to pick up on any shots fumbled by the keeper. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. And I think it's a very fair point that Bren makes about the about the shots because you know, he's spot on. The amount of times you get to the edge of the box and oh, we want to want to play that extra pass or you know we want to maybe end up playing crab football, even playing it back even worse because the players haven't got confidence. But uh, Tariq's got no issues with confidence, quite quite honestly. And um, I mean, for me. When I think about you know players with confidence and and bits like that, you can't you know you've got to go back to the actual back line here. Jaggy Elka, a guy that's been on the bench, looked like he was just going to turn into another James Chester where he barely plays a game. He comes on once or twice every other month. But I mean that guy obviously scored the goal, got the assist, and uh, for me he was just the Jaggy Elka that we've seen. You know, twenty year old Jaggy Elka, never mind a forty almost forty one year old Jaggy Elka. So it was, it was great to see him back. And um, I think that position is, once again, his to lose. 
Can I make a point on that one? Mm. Can, I, can I say that he's only got a temporary contract till January? I'd extend it straight away and put him as a player coach because he can bring some experience to our defence, our young defenders. That player, for his age, was he was dominating. He was absolutely dominating. But do you think what it is, Bren, is that he talks to him? He talks to him as well because we've got a young defence, haven't we? And people forget Ben Wilmot's only just turned 22. Joe Bursic's in goal, what, just 21, 22? Yeah, and then you've got Foss, who's not used to being back there. You've got Fox, who's fragile confidence. He needs somebody to, to talk him through the game. And then you've got Sterling, another youngster. And I don't think Flint was doing that. I don't. I think Flint was just concentrating on his own game, which is enough if that's not his. But I think you, you watch Jagielka, he organises him, he's telling everybody where to be, he's telling them what to do, he's leading from the back, and I think that makes so much of a difference to us when we're defending. One of my main com- uh, one of my main statements last season on praising Grumble, which um, I spoke to him quite a lot, we haven't got many commanding players on the pitch. And I've noticed, and I think you've noticed, you just hit the, the nail on the coffin there when you said about talking... Well, how many times last season did we say there's no one commanding, there's no one telling the players what to do? And that's where his experience has come in. This is what we need. We need someone that's going to tell the young players what to do. They make mistakes. Every player makes mistakes. And the young ones are going to make mistakes because they're new. <clears throat> but when you've got a player saying, don't worry, lift yourself up and tell them where to play, it works. We, we used to have Charlie Adams. He used to do the same thing. Ryan Shawcross used to do the same thing, same with Robert Hoof. But when them players left, we had no one. And the, there were so many mistakes and the heads dropped. And like I say, when they equalised, did you notice that Jagielka was the one that was saying, come on, lift yourselves up. He was shouting at them, come on, come on. And, you know, that's what we needed. We need a commander on the pitch. And that's what Stoke's been lacking for a long time. Someone to say, pick yourselves up. Like Jags there, like you say, he's you know, 40 years old. He's probably been playing longer than some of these defenders <laughs> their entire lives. And like you say, just passing and just like just telling them where to be and they'll learn from that. And then you, know, you might not have to tell them. You might have to tell them two, three times, but then eventually they'll learn to do it themselves. And if they haven't got that, and you do wonder whether, because I think Alex Neal's he's, he's very direct and he seems to be now... He doesn't accept excuses or anything like that. Is that, and you wonder whether this young squad was just getting comfortable under Michael O'Neill. Was it like you? Know, there was no sort of consequence for any actions because they were let off. Because you're young, you're learning. We've got injuries. Was this that? And you wonder now. Alex Neil sort of took all that away and gone. No, there is no excuses in my teams. You you go out there and you perform. And obviously they've they've now got it in the reds. Or well, we best we best perform here. Otherwise, we're not going to be in the team next week. I will say one thing that really, really, really surprised me on Saturday, and we all noticed where we were sitting um, when they scored their goal. It was I'm going to say this: Therese Campbell gave up on on a tackle, and they went down and they scored the goal. And I've never I've not seen this since the Pulis age pulled. Campbell to the side and he was shouting at Campbell and he was basically telling him don't do that again we don't how many times have we seen mistakes at Stoke and the manager just stands there and doesn't say nothing we don't see it 
But this time, we've seen a manager pull the player over going, that was your fault. Next time, don't make the same mistake. And Campbell, in the second half, I don't know what was said at half time, came back the, like the Campbell that we all know. He's got a point to prove, Tyrese, though, hasn't he? Because he's not been in the team and, you know, we all know what Tyrese is capable of. But I think the the lazy stick's been thrown at him a couple of times and, you know, lack of effort and bits like that. I think he's definitely got a bit of a work ethic about him now. Yeah, he's going to have lapses, like you've just pointed out. But uh, I think he knows that he's he's got a lot to prove to Alex Neal. And as far as Alex Neal's concerned, he's probably... He's probably seen bits of Tyrese, but and, and had bits of feedback off coaches, but he's probably barely ever really ever seen the guy play. So um, I would say that he's, he's you're right. I think Alex Neal will not take any crap. I think if you if you don't pull your weight, you're out. Um, and you know that's what we needed because, as it says from the outside perspective, for Mon it looked like you could just get away with a bit of a lazy performance, and you know you're going to be back in next week, which we can't afford, especially with a young team. Really can't afford that. Um, and one thing what we're, we're talking about younger players as well. I want to get your thoughts on this. So, um, Dove Valley Potter, who's uh, a regular kind of comment on, on Twitter for his brand. So, he's put not, not a criticism of the club or Alex Neal, but it seems the route from the academy to the first team has again become harder. He says several out on loan at much lower levels. Forrester gone, Taylor and Sparrow back in the under 21s, DWP struggling to get game time. What do we think to that? Do we think it's going to be harder for these youngsters to to break through? Um, you know, maybe Jagielkin now may keep the likes of Taylor out, for example. So, do you think it's going to be harder, or is this a case of he needs players with experience that he can trust to get him through what's been a tricky period? Right. Um, I can see why he's put someone back in the the under twenty ones. But I think, yeah, it's it's going to be hard. But at the end of the day, this division is a lot harder to get out of than we thought. And you, you need experience as well as youth. But I think um, he's probably seen some of the, the problems he's got with them and sent them back and asking the, the, the academy to train them on the certain situations that they're not good at. You can't take risks. If you've got a player that's just because he's young, it doesn't mean he's going to be great in the division. He's no. got to he's got to go back to basics. And sending players out on loan is always a good thing. And, you know, look at look at Suter. He went out on loan to a lower league. He came back and he was he was dominant. So to me, it could be send them out on loan, even if it's in the lower leagues. Give them the experience and give them the game time because you're not going to get 100% game time in this division if they're making mistakes. And I'd rather them go out on loan and come back a different player like what we've done before. And obviously, one player we we mentioned. I don't want to go over too much detail because we did do it last week, Dan. But you know that probably alludes to you know, about mistakes. And um, obviously, Taylor, Dan, we mentioned last week. He obviously made what one mistake, maybe got a, lucky with a couple of others. But um, a player that was very quickly dropped, and as, as we said, found himself in the under twenty ones or under twenty threes again. So, do, do you agree with Bren? Is is it is it part of the process, or is it going to be harder for people to break break through? Do you think? I think as well, you, you you sometimes got to look how young a side do you want. I mean, there's there's been no big advocate for promoting youth than myself. You know, I, I've always been passionate about bringing players through. I think it excites me to see younger players come through. You know, that's why we try and update people with the under 18s, under 21s. Yeah, that's why I used to work um, with the with the club with the under 18s. 
and it you know it's there does come a point there where you think there's not really room for any more youngsters in that squad without having a detrimental effect. You know, unless it's like Manchester United's with the class of ninety two star where they're all world beaters. Um but you've got yeah, you've got a young goalkeeper who just said Wilmot's twenty two, yeah, you've got Harry Clark on in on loan, you've got Liam Delap in on loan. Yeah, they're two young players. Yeah, you've got Gavin Kilkenny in the squad on loan, I know he's injured at the minute. You've got Will Smallbone in the squad, he's another youngster. Um you've got uh, I mean, Fosu's 26, that's surprised me. I didn't realise he was that old. <laughs> uh, but Sterling, Jujan Sterling, another youngster. Um, Tyrese Campbell's still only 22. It's uh, there's, there's a lot of youngsters in that squad, squad and in that side. And I think you can't put everybody in as much as we'd like to. You, can't, you, need, you need that. Even the most talented youth sides will be beaten by sides who may not have much ability but have more know-how. Look at the um, what's it called, the Papa John's trophy. Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, under, send their under-21 sides in there and regularly get beaten by Lincoln and Wickham and Northampton. No offence to those sides. Mm-hmm. But but during, they get beaten by them because those players will probably have nowhere near the careers that those young lads are in them sides, in the Premier League yeah, young sides. But they've got a lot more know-how and they've got a lot more physicality. And I think, yeah, right, Phillips probably, yeah, he probably does deserve a little bit more game time because you know he's come on and he's he's sort of scored, you know, he scored that late goal, didn't he? And he's he's one of them players who you can chuck on for the last 10, 15 minutes at least when you're chasing a goal because he's got a bit of trickery and he can create something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to see him get, say, get a few more minutes, but. It's like, do you believe that Tom Sparrow has done enough when he's played to deserve more time? Not for me. No, it's like, you know, as, as Wright Phillips, you know, we've just said there, he's 10, 15 minutes. Do you think he's done enough to start ahead of a Gale or a Delap, be ahead of Campbell in the lineup or Jacob Brown? I mean, some people no. might argue with, with Gale, but I would say no. I still think Gale's experience and the fact he's pointing himself about a bit more physical in, in the way that he needs to be. No, for me, right, Phillips. He's, again, he was one of them things we've we've, caught, we've said about him a lot. He's almost not fitted into any of this system in a way. You could probably give him an argument for saying a, a free role, the, you know, the Nick Powell role, maybe, if we played that. But yeah. bar that, I don't know. And maybe you could convert him to an out-and-out winger. But again, we're not playing out-and-out wingers. It, he, he almost just doesn't fit right now. So maybe he's one that needs to go out on loan, to be honest. Can yeah, I just... I think- the problem with having too many youth players, um, like I said to you, this division is so hard, but you've got the experience in other teams and they know how to do a foul and get away with it. They, were, they knock your young players off and it knocks the spirit. And the other thing, like we've got with the lap, they're also good at drawing fouls. So what they do is the minute you touch them, they'll go down. And the young players are eager and they'll, they'll get like the lap. How many times has the lap? Touch him and they'll go down. Free kick, free kick, and he gets boots. That this is this is the division. You've got to have a 50-50. You can't have a young, a, a pure young team because they'll bully him. That that's your problem. You've got to bring them with the experience and teach them not to foul. Teach them not to be knocked off the ball too much. That's I, I, I like Phillips, 
But the problem is he gets knocked off the ball. How many times do you see him knocked off the ball? They'll, they'll take him out. He's one of the players that they will purposely kick a couple of times as well to knock his spirit. So he isn't going to run at them. That's 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 the difference. And Brown, Brown was exactly the same that first season. Brown played for us, and then we had a preseason. He came back stocky. He was like a different player. But that first year, how many state fans were saying Brown? He's not off the ball too much. He's he's going too down too much. Yeah, too lightweight. So this is where your experience. And I, I'd have Brown working with Phillips. It build him up a bit more. You know, uh, you got we've got the youth players, but we need that experience. And that's where Jagielka, I think, should be a coach as well. I think they should give him a contract and teach him how to talk and how to work and how to draw fouls. Because that's one thing I can say about Powell. Powell is fantastic at drawing fouls. Yep. But then Powell gets injured because he draws too many fouls. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing like nothing like a Nick Powell wind up, is there? <laughs> um, and just obviously kind of moving on a, a, a little bit, boy. So, was there anyone else that stood out for you um, from, from the weekend's game? I think they all. To be fair, it's probably harsh to keep pulling people kind of players out of the line here because they all did really well. But was there anyone else that surprised you? Shall we say? Yeah, Fox. We've been. Not talking highly of Fox for a while, but Fox seemed to be a different player in the weekend as well. Yeah, we, we, we've been very complimentary to Fox, haven't we, Dan, uh, over all this time? Yeah, recently we've we've uh, we've not been digging him lately. I think he's and this work, and I think just sort of going back if you heard to that for, that conversation we had about young players, the only one that could be a real debate is. Should Taylor be playing instead of Fox? But the manager has said, "Well, I want balance in my back three, mm-hmm. and my left footed, my left sided centre half needs to be left footed. That's why Morgan Fox is playing, and he's playing well um, at the minutes. So that's why Taylor, instead of being shoehorned into a position that's not natural for him, or or putting him on the right and making Ben Wilmot, Mister Fle- you know, Mister Versatility." move positions yet again to fill in for somebody else. Um, that's why Taylor's not playing either. But, yeah, back on to Fox, I think he is... Um, yeah, he's, he's doing very well at the minute. He's, he's more than holding his own and deserving of his place. Basic was solid in goal. His kicking was a bit I, off, but other than that, that... I was just about to say, kicking is... Oh, he needs to work on that. Other than that, he, he he's... He was doing really well, but he's kicking three times within what five minutes he kicked the ball to their player, and we were just lucky with that that they weren't up for it because sometimes that's how you score a goal a miss kick from a keeper and they're on you. But uh, other than that, I, I thought Basic was fantastic. It just needs somebody needs to notice this and work on his kicking. Surely, it's funny because when he started out with us, really, it was his distribution was his strong point, and his shot stopping was possibly where he could improve. And now, he, at the minute, he's, he's shot stopping. He's, he's getting there, maybe beating at his near post a couple of times. But other than that, he's get he, you know he's on top of that, and his distribution just seems to have gone down though. <laughs> I guess that's the one thing with youth, though, isn't it, mate? Um, you know, it's just comes at least we've place. we've seen it's there though, haven't we, with his distribution? So well, yeah. hopefully, if he can then, like you say, in time, twenty-two-year-old goalkeeper, next 12, 18 months, if he can marry the two parts of the game together. 
we've got one heck of a keeper on our hands then, haven't we? Um, just to kind of kind of finish off this little uh, subject. So uh, for anybody who listened to our last part, obviously we had the preview uh, with the Sheffield United um, kind of YouTube channel, uh, Johnny. So uh, we'll have a quick listen to what Johnny said. He's been back in touch after the match. Um, let's see if he was as complimentary this time. Hi, this is Johnny from the Short of View Sheffield United fan YouTube channel. Oh, that was hard to take. Um, obviously, with the players we had available, we managed to cobble together an 11. Far, far away from our strongest 11, to put it lightly. Relying on youth players in certain positions, relying on backup players in others. I, would, I think we were lucky to get a goal. I think you played some decent football. You're getting in the right direction. Obviously, the new manager's got you playing a certain way. I think I think you'll do well under him. And I don't think you'll set the world alight in the short term, but I think you've got the legs there to maybe build some success. Um, and you played us at the perfect time, I think. Top of the league still somehow uh, on goal difference because nobody else took advantage uh, of us falling to you. So, again, very disappointing from our point of view. I, th I think the goal flattered us, to be fair. Uh, Rian Brewster getting his first goal since his injury, which is always a bonus for us. So, one silver lining in a pile of absolute garbage that was our day at Stoke. Where we couldn't put it together, we couldn't play the football we used to play on with a full fit squad. But we couldn't really get anything going. It's it's hard to sum up the match when I don't even think we were in the game. Uh, so full credit to Stoke, big three points for you, uh, and you can keep building. For us now, it's about damage control, and I think that's about as much as I can really say. Thanks for having me. Johnny, thank you very much indeed, mate. As I said, always good to hear from you. So uh, yeah, uh, very complimentary. Didn't obviously think that they deserved their goal. Uh, mentioned about you know the the injuries, but in fairness, like we've said several times, half of our teams are injured as well. So, um, but yeah, we'll we'll catch up with you later on in the season, and hopefully we'll have just as uh, as much success uh, next time as well. Um, Dan, I think we've got some man of the match polls and and some stats that you want to just cover off from the game to to finalise this section. Yeah, so uh, just a few quirky stats. First time we scored three at home. This is an English side since August 21, and we've scored when we beat Reading 3-2 on the opening day of the season last year. Uh, both times we've scored three goals at home since have been against Welsh sides. The 3-3 draw against Cardiff and the 3-0 win over Swansea. <laughs> so we've got that. Uh, Phil Jagielka, 40 years and 52 days, is the oldest championship scorer since 2014. Any idea who the uh, re previous record holder was? Hmm. Any idea, Brent? Absolutely no idea on that one. That's a good question. <laughs> so he's the oldest championship scorer since 2014, Kevin Phillips. Uh... Was, the last, was the last 40 year plus scorer. Um, Tyrese Campbell, he's got two his first back to back starts since February. So I wonder if he'll make it three in a row. And his first back-to-back -back starts up front since the lockdown, either side of the lo the first lockdown when football stopped. Uh, moving into man of the match, so you pretty much nailed it straight on when you, we were talking about Fosu impressing because he got fifty-eight percent of the vote. And uh, talking about back-to-back, -back, that's back-to-back -back man of the match is for him as well because he was the uh, Burnley man of the match. So second place went to Phil Jagielka with fifteen percent. And Dujan Sterling was in third with 5%. Uh, do you want to hear the uh, the ones people added on? 
Yeah, go on. So, is this Stuart yeah, in Block go 9 got it, yeah? Well, Stuart in Block... <laughs> yeah, so Stuart in Block 9, because he pumped the air when Dilap scored. <laughs> Tom Meller added that. Uh, the weather, that come from Oliver Haywood. <laughs> okay. Uh, all the team from Tony Cox. I think we were we were pretty much hinted at that way earlier on. Yeah. And then your mum from Rob Horton. Grow up, Rob. What? <laughs> oh God, that's like so like nineties high schoolish, isn't it? Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Fosu clearly clearly winning then. So there has been a change. So all season, pretty much, Connor Taylor has been at the top of our Player of the Season standings. But obviously, due to his uh, lack of recent game time, he has now been overtaken and sits in third place. So I think you may know this, Mike, so I'm not going to ask you, but who do you think, Brent, is now top of our player of the season standings? Mm, that's an odd one. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's an odd question. That is a real odd question. So, um, I'll give you the top five. Fifth place, Tariq Fosu, 140. Fourth place, Joe Bersick, 172. Third place, Connor Taylor, 175. And then the top two. Any ideas who the top two could be? I think Brown. Brown and Baker. Well, Lewis Baker is second on 177. And the new leader with 196 points, is Ben Wilmot. That surprised fair, me. That surprised me. He's, he, that's a fair, fair point, but I would have probably gone with Baker. Um, anyway, yeah, so let, let's kind of move on because there's a hell of a lot to cover off. So um, just we're talking about news. Now, this is actually one thing that um, kind of you sent to me, Dan. Now, I'll be honest, but it looks like we could all be going and taking our clothes off, you know, dancing in the rain and living to Vida Loca, but there's going to be a certain Ricky Martin, and it's not that one, uh, who's going to be joining us apparently, mate, as a technical director. Now, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't the club's direction away from the technical director type model? I thought that was the whole point. Um, so firstly, do you agree that it's a good person to bring in? And secondly, is that a club decision or is that an Alex Neal decision? He's worked with Alex Neal before, hasn't he? He, he worked with him at Preston, so I'd say it's definitely 100% an Alex Neal decision. But sure, I understand Alex Neal obviously needs power. He needs to have someone he can trust. But this is what I mean, that the structure, I try and remember now, is it Cousins, who is the head of, uh, the kind of like development head of recruitment and, and bits like that now? Um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, and then... Obviously, the idea was that he would work directly with the the owner and the manager. So, having another technical director back in the mix again, they've effectively changed their model within a very very short period of time. Or am I completely misreading that? No, I, th I think I think that you're really right. I think it could be the writing on the wall for Andy Cousins. Interesting. Or he could be moved into a different role, maybe working alongside or underneath. Um. Ricky Martin, but yeah, it's yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, see, obviously, the, the manager Stoke give the manager a lot of power, and you do worry, you do worry sometimes that when obviously, especially with the the lack of success they've had with managers, and now quickly they move them on, that the whole club has to be reset every eighteen months or so. 
there's not yeah. like you know you, you the manager leaves you bring a new manager in but that's the only thing that changes everyone else everything the structure and everything else stays the same the personnel um underneath will stay the same because everyone's got their own role but with stoke it seems that the manager dictates everything and that maybe why it takes such a long time to get started and why everything needs overhauling every time there's a managerial change. Well, if they're doing this for Alex Neil, they've got to give him time, no matter what now. Uh, no more switching and changing. This guy, along with Ricky Martin, which there's going to be so many memes and jokes and everything about this, isn't there? But yeah, he's, he's, they've got to give him time to cement himself. And like you said, stick around. Uh, that's really important because you're absolutely spot on, mate. What's the point of bringing someone in who, if Alex Neil gets sacked in two years' time, that isn't going to follow our ethos, isn't going to have the uh, what the owner's vision is. It's a bit risky. Um, I'm sure the owners will come out and claim it. It won't surprise me. Um, just to take the pressure off Alex Neil. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Brent, are, are you particularly bothered about this? Do you really, do you really care whether there's a technical director or whether it's you know Andy Cousins making the decisions? You're that bothered. Um... To be fair, this might be the club we're missing in a way that they've made a mistake on making the change. This might be what we need. Um, but uh, with, uh, with Alex Neal actually knowing him and working with him before, there might be a, a better relationship as well. We don't know, do we? we just got to sit back and see what happens. Yeah, it's very much a time will tell type situation. I agree with you, mate. So either way, we've got to put the faith in Alex Neal. If that's his decision, you know, he's, he'll stand by it. And again, it's something else that we just need to keep an eye on. Um, and a big thing that was actually brought up, to be honest, and this is something that we were sent again um, on Twitter about, I don't know, about an hour before we started recording. So um, Andrew Fernio, this is quite an interesting one, and I think it's a relatively newish development. He says, how about the EFL selling rights to Saturday 3pm kickoffs? Only if, the, only if the money was used to reduce the price of match day tickets. Um, so... I mean, away from the match day tickets side for the time being, but what's your thoughts on that? Because a lot of, I mean, obviously I know all the bodies, et cetera, have moaned about, well, we don't want to televise 3 p.m. kickoffs because people will stop going to stadiums. Um, do you think it makes a big deal of difference? I mean, I think piracy could be out of control um, if, you, if you do this. But again, would either of you stay at home by choice if you could? I'd still go the match, um, but it, it also works well for away games, doesn't it? If you can't get to an away game, you can still get to see the game. But as long as the money goes back into the club, some some of that money goes back into the club. Um, I can't I can't see it being a problem. If you're a proper football fan and you got your season ticket, you're not going to stay at home unless you have to. You know what I mean? I'll still buy my season ticket no matter what, and I'll still go watch Stoke and I'll still go watch them away. But if I can't go watch them away, then there's a better option. And, you know, I just think things have got to change anyway, haven't they? It, it, it's, how many times have we said, oh, I can't get hold of the signal. If you're like working in a different city, you can't get your radio on. You can't get, you just got to open on the internet. At least there's some possibility of watching a game. Yeah, mate, I agree with you because um, when, when I can't go to the games and I go to, you know, dads or go out for a day out, the fact that I can't get the likes of Radio Stoke um, on my phone in this current day and age because of bloody licensing issues, for a start, I pay me bloody TV license, which includes the radio. I should, I should be able to get whatever the hell I want. But that's a side point. 
I mean, Dan, you're taking yourself off mute very quickly, mate. So uh, I'm sure you've got an opinion on this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know where you'd stand, mate. I'm pretty sure you'd be you'd be going either way. I expect. Yeah, I'd definitely be getting the game still. Uh, but you took the words out of my mouth there. There's nothing more frustrating because who? I mean, the only people who've got the only analog radios anymore, surely, for ninety five percent of people are in the cars. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody has an analog radio in the house anymore, do they? Or a stereo? Very few people. You know, maybe, you know, maybe like uh, it's an older generation thing, I'd say. But you know, a lot of people, especially like say forty and under, for example, will be having like, yeah, you, know, you know, you've got like your smart speakers, or you know, you want to go through a tablet or the internet or through your TV, and you can't have it on any of them because because of a licensing name, but they'll, and they'll just show a, a message on repeat saying, you know, the, cur- the current programme, it cannot be broadcast. And it's like, why? For what well, reason? What, one of my frustrating things is if you're abroad, you can pay to watch Stoke on a stream, but you can't watch it in England. I, I find that really frustrating. So that, like you say, if we can't get the signal on the radio, you know, we we hadn't got the option to pay for pay the club and put money into the club to watch the game on a stream. So what do you do? You just you keep what looking at apps and hopefully catching a result or something, and you're missing the game. And sometimes people do work. Sometimes people got to be away, or sometimes family issues or something they can't get to the ground. At least now they'll have some kind of option to still watch the game. Yeah, you're increasing the chances of dodgy streams, and I think you know. Let, let's let's be let's not be claiming that we've never done it because we, we we absolutely all have, I'm sure. But you know, the the problem with that I don't know is what that, you're talking shut about. Shut up, Daniel. Yes, you do. Um, <laughs> so also say this is part for me though is why attendances could be low because obviously during that period when we couldn't go to games, people found streams, got streams, could watch them in probably HD quality with replays, with all the joys of Sky Sports and everything else that comes with it, people have been able to do that. Now, the problem for me with that is that you get people into habits. It no longer is normal to go to a game. It's a lot easier. It's free or cheap. And you have an option now to go and stream a match if you want to, if you want to put the effort in to find the games. There's no point pretending that that doesn't happen because we know for an absolute fact it does. And so do the official official bodies but like i said the problem with that is people have an option now that maybe they didn't consider two years ago so that's going to affect attendances for me this is only going to make it worse it will make it worse i mean christ stoke's empty enough half the time so you know i don't Let know me, I, uh... I understand both sides but i would say no i wouldn't do it can i, can I just say you what about the dodgy streaming but people doing that anyway you know um a, a lot of people have got um, Sky Sports. A lot of people got BT. Uh, you know, they've got the, they got the option to watch games anyway, and they do stream. But at least if you pay for your, your sports channels or whatever, whatever you, you can watch the game legally. So the, I think it could stop a lot more of the illegal streaming because people probably already pay for it anyway. Yeah, if you get what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, no, no, good point. So basically, it would be like the red button on Sky. Yeah. Yeah. So there'd be more people being able to watch it legally, and it'll cut down the streaming, I think. And the fact is, then they might get the like the foreign um, TV channels paying because they can actually broadcast it legally. 
So you, you're going to get more, more more people watching the games, I think. Yeah, fair point. I actually hadn't thought of it that way around. Yeah. No, fair enough, mate. It depends, obviously, with obviously with Amazon and whoever the heck picks it up. I reckon it'll be a, two or three different providers, you know, where I think like at the minute Sky Sports have some, BT Sport have some. I think it'll be the same scenario. But, um, yeah, no, fair, fair, what fair has, point. What has shot me? What has shot me? They've offered it to Netflix. I never saw that coming. Yeah, I think it's just any streaming service with a very, very deep pockets, isn't it? They're going to want a mega, mega deal. And I think if yeah. somebody offers, what was the last deal? Was it 595 mil? I think when they signed the contract, something like that. Um, so if someone offers them 800 million for the rights, they'll take it, I'm sure. Well, one of the big things, isn't it? Um, the Premier League, they make a mass amount of money out of the TV rights. And the Championship, we get half a lot less a lot less than the Premier League are getting from the TV rights. Mm-hmm. So if the if they're very clever and get the right deal, this could filter down to the clubs like it should do. And then it'll it might help a lot of clubs with the fair play league uh, fair play system as well. But at the end of the day, if you don't change with times, people will find people will find a way of watching the game anyway, like you said on streaming. So why not do it the right way and then give people their option to actually do it legally and then Money will filter back into the teams. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just looking at this. So obviously, it says here that the FL is within the next 24 hours are going to be contacting Facebook, Netflix, Google, Apple, Amazon, Sky, and BT to um, basically start a bit of a bidding process. And if the uh, if if people are interested and they want it, then it'll start from the 2024-25 season. Oh, great. So just as we go into the Premier League, there it is. Okay. <laughs> well, mate. The Facebook, the Facebook could be an interesting one because you can't put anything on Facebook without unblocking it, even music. So that could be an interesting one. Yeah, it'd be on bloody TikTok next. You never know. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. It's certainly interesting. It's a topic that I think, as a consumer, I think as long as you can get hold of your streaming if you can't go to a game i don't think you'd really care too much i think everything's going down this monthly streaming route which obviously in a financial crisis that we find the country finds itself people might be a bit more selective anyway so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see how it pans out guys interesting um and moving on i mean dan uh you obviously love your your loney updates don't you mate um and i know you've been hard at work trying to find us a, a bit of a loney so do you want to give us an update who, who have we got this week mate so been hard at work and a message here and I'm going to go first. I want firstly I wanted David Akagbu, young Republic of Ireland youth international we've got out on loan at Oldham. Um, but despite numerous people I cannot get hold of anybody. So this is a message for next week. Any Oldham fan out there listening to this for some <laughs> bizarre strange reason <laughs> can I have, please have an update on David Akagbu and how he's getting on so we can put in next week's pod. Um, but yes, this week we have Tom Edwards. So he is a recently returned from his couple of years out in the States uh, with New Year Red Bulls, and he is at Barnsley. I believe he's being closely monitored by Alex Neal. We've got a recall clause for January. And yes, so here, here is uh, how he's been getting on in his short time at Barnsley so far. So at the time of recording, Tom Edwards has only played four games for Barnsley, but in those four games, 
I think he's certainly impressed. He's played either in the left side of a back three or in the left wing back position. And the fans seem to have taken to him, been pleased with what they've seen so far. During the most recent game, actually, uh, he captained the side to a 4-2 win at Doncaster Rovers, which I think is testament to his hard work that we've seen from him so far. Uh, he's a great player, and I'd love to keep hold of him, but I'm fully expecting him to go back to Stoke uh, and stake a claim for the first team. And I think you've got the option to recall him during the loan, so I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happened. This Barnsley team is still gelling. There's a lot of new players, but I fully believe that in a few months' time, when they've gelled and when they've solidified a bit, Tom Edwards will be a standout player in the team. Uh, we're looking to get the top six. At the start of the season, not many people expected it, but now they're sort of thinking it could be a possibility. So I reckon Tom Edwards will be an influential figure in this Barnsley side. And I saw Stoke fans saying that he should actually be in your first team, um, which I, I wouldn't doubt that. I think he's got the talent... Um, I know he's had a few off-the-field issues in the past, um, but I think he's overcome those and looks like he's got his head screwed on, which is obviously important for a professional footballer. Um, but if he doesn't stay with Barnsley, if he does go back to Stoke, I fully believe that this season it, it will benefit him. It'll only benefit him. Um, and I think he'll go back to Stoke and, like I said, um, be a great player for you guys. He's still young uh, as well, which is another factor to take into account. Um, so he's got time to develop, time to grow. And I really do think there's a player in there. So it's exciting. The future's exciting for the lad. Um, and I think Barnsley is the right club for him at the moment. So I'm excited for what the future holds. Uh, hopefully we have a good season. And hopefully Tom Edwards will have a great season with us. Go back to Stoke and um, kick on with you guys. So cheers, Alex. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, so it's quite uh, promising. He's, yeah, he thinks he's one of the leading lights in the team. Really impressed with him. Playing on the left-hand side as well, playing left wing back and uh, left side of the defensive three. So yeah, he's usually obviously usually on the right-hand side for us, isn't he? He's always been used on the right. So uh, yeah, maybe a bit of flexibility. But apparently, I was speaking to Alex and he said that's where they'd been short. So it was either sort of wait for his chance on the right or or play on the left. And and yeah, he says he's come in playing really well. Yeah, but great stuff. Um, the other. Obviously, the other bit of audio we've got for this section is the women's first team coach Lou Roberts with a weekly update for us. So uh, let's see how the women have been getting on. Hi, lads. It's been a busy few days for us in the women's section this week. We've had plenty of contact time with the girls. We've got two games in five days this week, um, which is not unusual, but it just changes the schedule for us a little bit. So. The contact time we've had, we've had to make real use of and make sure we've got the information over to the girls. I mentioned last week we were making the journey to West Brom in a Midlands derby. Always nice to play local teams, so your West Broms, your Wolves, your derbies. Just adds a little bite to the fixture. Um, we were lucky enough to come out 1-0 winners on Sunday with a fantastic chip from Roshin Cabal. Um, a brilliant finish from a really competent striker in this league. So Rosh is really chuffed to get off the mark and and get another goal on her tally. West Brom were exactly as we expected, um, resilient, difficult to break down, and posed a little bit of a threat on the counter-attack. So it was a cagey affair for the majority, but I feel like we dominated possession, we created chances, um, and on another day, the scoreline could have been far different. Um, as we look into this week, plenty of time on the training ground leading up to Thursday, and then Thursday night we host Boldmere St Michael's at home in the league. 
we'll um, we'll go into that fixture nice and positive. We had a comfortable win a few weeks ago against them, and we'll be looking to replicate that performance and result again this week. Um, season ticket holders are free. We'd love to see as many of you down there as possible. Following Boldmere on Thursday, we then have a weekend off, which will be nice. Um, it'll give us a 10-day period just to prepare for the following week where we make the journey to Huddersfield. I hope you're all good, guys. Up the Potters. Cheers, Lou. Thanks for that. Um, obviously, as we're recording, the, the midweek game that they've got, it hasn't been played, but will be by the time this is uh, out. So hopefully, three a fifth win on the bounce and three more points in the bag. And they start putting some pressure on those uh, top two in the league. Yeah, see if we can get ourselves up there and uh, maybe even promoted come May. The fingers crossed. Um, just to round off this sort of section, so the under-18s, they played in the Premier League Under-18 Cup at the weekend. Uh, lost 1-0 at home to Middlesbrough. So despite their uh, great start to the league campaign, sitting second, or sort of joint top really with Sunderland, uh, they've lost two out of two in the in the League Cup and are now out of that competition. Uh, this week they are at home to Everton, back to league action. Uh, Eleven a.m. kickoff at Clayton Woods on Saturday. And uh, the under twenty ones, so they played a league game this week. They drew two two versus Norwich. Uh, goals from Dimaggio, Wright Phillips, and Tom Sparrow. Uh, that was the say that was a league game played at St George's Park. And then they returned to St George's Park Wednesday night to take on Sporting Braga in their back, making their bout in the Premier League International Cup. So Nathan Lowe, young 17-year-old striker, who we've mentioned quite a few times now, haven't we, is bagging goals. He, he uh, opened the scoring early doors, put us 1-0 up. But obviously Braga's, um, how should we say, Ability and experience and whatever paid in the end as they run out comfortable 5-1 winners. Uh, so that wasn't a great result. But as I imagine this competition, this International Cup, is going to be a great experience for the lads, if nothing else. Uh, this week, they're away at Nottingham Forest, uh, which is the, played at the Impact, Impact Arena, home of Alfreton Town. 7pm kickoff on Monday for the under-21s. And uh, one last bit of news about the under-21s is the game against Hamley Town in the Staff Senior Cup has been rescheduled for Wednesday, November the 9th with a 7.30 kickoff at Potteries Park. I bet there'll be a lot of uh, neutral Stokies at that one, won't there? There's, I know Hamley Town's a, a B team for a lot of Stoke fans these days. Yes, oh, definitely is, I suppose. And obviously you go there and see uh, Carl Dickinson. Playing against, you know, playing against the academy that he came through and started his career at. Good for Carl. Good for Carl. We uh, obviously a friend of the pod, so yeah, it'll be good, mate. Um, lovely. Okay, great. Well, let's move on then. So let's look at the important elements as well. So let's look at Preston this weekend. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Dan, um, your sidekick isn't with us tonight, mate, but I'm sure that you've got plenty of stats uh, looking ahead to, to Preston, I expect. I have indeed. Shall I fire away? Go for it. So, we have played Preston 109 times in our, uh, our existence as a football club. 36 wins, 24 draws, 49 defeats. Uh, we only have one win at Preston, though, since 2005. So, having some career stats here. So, Dwight Gale, in his career, he's played Preston twice, won twice, and scored four goals. Ooh, so, nice. this this is the game Dwight Gale's coming to the party, <laughs> I'm telling you. Keep you in the side. He's, he loves playing Preston. Um, Morgan Fox is the only player to play every minute under Alex Neal since he took over. Bloody hell, so what pictures has he got? Mm. After making only one appearance this season for uh, Michael O'Neill. So he's, he's come from, come out of the cold and played every single minute since Alex Neal's took over. Um, one quirky stat, Stoke have yet to have consecutive results this season. So we haven't had back-to-back wins, back-to-back losses or back-to-back draws. Every game has followed been followed by a different result to the one before it. Oh, just, just shows how inconsistent we are. <laughs> so we're not going to win at the weekend then, no? Well, every run gets broken. And talking of runs that get broken, uh, before last weekend, Preston had just only scored four and conceded four in 12 games. And got gone a run of 13 games without scoring more than one goal. They then beat Norwich 3-2. And... Uh, Obviously, conceded two in that game as well, and then have lost again to, by two goals to one tonight against um, Bristol City away. Oh, did they really? So, I must admit, I didn't see that result. Yeah, so they played. They played tonight, lost two one to Bristol City. So that's back to back games they've conceded two goals in after conceding four because uh, they in twelve games to start the season, including many, many, many nil nils <laughs> to begin. Um, last week, Stoke scored their earliest goal of the season, four minutes. Uh, the previous early being the 19th minute opener by Jacob Brown against Middlesbrough. And they also scored their latest goal of the season in the 92nd minute, which was a minute later than Tyrese Campbell and DiMaggio Ratcliffe's late equalisers earlier on this campaign. Um, Wilmot was the earliest goal since, Brown, uh, since Brown's opener against Blackburn last season. And it, the last goal that was scored before four minutes was DiMaggio's against Fordham in January. Preston sit 22nd in the home form table with seven points from seven games. Um, two wins. They've scored uh, scored four. No, sorry, they scored two conceded four, should I say. And their 1-0 win over West Brom in their last home game ended a run of six home games without a win. Stoke are high 10th in the away table with eight points from seven games. Uh, two wins, scored seven, conceded eight, and they are unbeaten in three on their travels with a win and two draws. You like your corners, don't you, Mike? Yep. So 
games with 12 or more corners. Stoke's last five have all had 12 or more corners in. And four of Preston's last five games have had 12 or more corners. And one just to finish off with, Preston beat Stoke 3-0 on the 12th of November, 1888, in the first season of the Football League. Yep. Okay. It was the first meeting between the sides It's at Stoke. But what was special about the game? I don't know. Go on. It was the first ever game, first ever Monday night football. First ever game played on a Monday night. But I don't think... Sky would have covered that one, do you? <laughs> Maybe not, mate. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> mate, that, that's a hell of an epic list of starts. Bloody hell. Uh, go to town on that one. So, nice one. Uh, Brendan, what do you think of that, mate? Have you got your stats ready? Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed. I actually enjoyed that. Um, a lot of state fans are saying, like I said, we're not, we don't do well at Preston. But hopefully, after this result, we just started against the top team. I think if I was Preston and having the result from tonight, I'd be very, very worried. I think this could be the time where Stoke could actually turn them over. Somebody needs to get me a ticket for the weekend. <laughs> because... There's still plenty of tickets left, isn't there? What, three and a half, three and a half thousand. We've had extra allocation, haven't we? But my, my first away, ever away game was uh, at Preston in 1998. We were two... We were th- through what we two nil down at half time, we scored four goals in the second half, including three in the last twenty minutes, uh, to come back from three one down after seventy minutes and won four three. Dean Crow scored twice, <coughs> and then Graham Kavanagh scored twice as well. And I thought all the, I thought all the way games were like, I thought, oh, this is amazing. What <laughs> yeah, and then you, just, you know, you start. Can I just say one thing we were talking about on Saturday, and I couldn't believe it happened. We were saying, no matter how many corners we get, we're going to miss, and then we score from a corner. And there was about <laughs> 10 fans just looking to each other going, there's something going on here. <laughs> there's something going on here. We've we actually scored a corner. We normally go too far or too short. And we were, we were stunned. I think we are stunned for about 10 minutes. i tell you what, though, how elegant was Jagielka's head? It just, like, glanced it in into nice and <laughs> casual, in off the post. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. said, he, showed, he showed his class as well. He didn't celebrate that goal, did you notice? In the, all the players are hugging him. He's like, yeah, yeah, get off. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to celebrate. <laughs> uh, one thing I thought I best mentioned as well, because obviously I know that a lot of people um, normally listen out for, for Andy's kind of like travel news and stuff like that. And one thing I did see um, on one of the Facebook groups actually earlier on. So uh, for anyone who is obviously going away, uh, they have a pub called uh, the White Heart. Uh, now, they've got like big car parks, like mini buzzies, coach stops, etc. Um, I believe it's about kind of like, I think it's five minutes or so away uh, from uh, kind of the one of the main stands, the away, well, it's a designated away fans pub. Um, so it's the, the White Heart uh, and Watling Street Road. So if anyone wants to go there, uh, then, then go for it. Uh, apparently, they've got um, a great fish and chip shop next door. So if you're hungry as well, then... You've got an option there. So if anyone's looking for an away pub to, to go and visit, then go and visit that one. Uh, but yeah, so it's a 10-minute walk away from the cop end of Deep Dell. So something else to to think about if, you, if you're visiting. Um, I'm sure Andy will be in there. He's normally in a pub somewhere, isn't he, Dan? Well, you find him in a pub more than you'll find him on here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like you, you don't turn up, you're going to get stick. It's as simple as that. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, anyway, so talking of uh, audio, as I said, we've got five pieces of audio tonight. So we're going to have a bit of back-to-back audio now. So we're going to start off with Graham McGarry's uh, prediction. Uh, we always love to, to listen to Mr. Graham. And then we have Steve, who um, actually used to be the kit man for Alex Neal. Um, and he's probably going to be on here in, in a future pod talking about some interesting stories about Alex Neal that we might all want to listen to. So, uh, But in the meantime, let's have a listen to what they both had to say. Hello there once again, you Stoke City Potters predictors. What a weekend it was last time out for your side. An excellent 3-1 victory over the league leaders. Sheffield United has put you in great mood going ahead towards Preston on Saturday afternoon. A trip to Deepdale is not an easy task. Because they are really having a great opening to the season under Ryan Lowe. Not been scoring many goals, but hardly conceding any. And they also got an excellent result last weekend. Promises to be a good atmosphere at Deepdale. Plenty of Stokies will be there in the red and white. Hoping that they can inflict a defeat on the Lily Whites. And I'm going to go for it as well. I'm going to upset the Preston North End supporters and Ryan Lowe, I'm very friendly with as well since his time as a player at Crowley I'm going to go for Potter's continued good form, good result. Preston nil, Stoke City two. Preston versus Stoke as viewed by a Preston fan. A Preston fan that spent four years working with your manager, Alex Neal. Uh, Ex-Preston kit man here. Um, yeah. Where do I start? Uh, I'm not got long, have I? Uh, Alex Neal is a winner. You're finding that out. I would say, well, I'm biased, but I would say he's probably in the top four or five best managers in the championship, easily. He took Preston to the top of the championship when he was here. And if the powers that be had backed him, I'm sure we would have gone on to at least got a playoff. But unfortunately, they didn't. So, um, he's a dynamic manager, his attention to detail, his work rate is phenomenal. He's a really intelligent guy as well, the way he analyses the opposition, again, as you're finding out, and you'll be relishing a trip back to Preston. <laughs> and knowing Alex like I do, <laughs> he'll want to win this one, and he'll want to win it big time. Uh, he felt he was treated unfairly at Preston. Um and I have got to agree with him, to be fair. Uh, as Sunderland fans found out, he, he took them up and left them in a great position in the Championship. He's come to you guys, and he'll do the same. And if you can work your way into the playoffs and not better, he's the man to take you up as well, because he's the winner. He's won three playoffs, I think it is, out of three. So, yeah, as for the game, well, Preston are doing well this season, and I said at the start of the season, the 3-5-2 suits them. Um... And they're full of confidence this, at the moment. I mean, beat Norwich and West Brom last two games. Um, so it should be an interesting contest, to be fair. Who do I think will win? Ah, it's too close to call, to be fair. I think a draw, to be honest. Um, I think, but yeah, it should be an interesting afternoon. OK, guys, enjoy the game. Graham, Steve, thanks very much to both of you for, for obviously the audio. Um, always good to get a, a nice bit of insight there. And yeah, Graham, hopefully you're right, mate. You know, another comfortable win um, is is hopefully on the cards. And 
Um, yeah, like I said, Steve, we'll be we'll be back in touch in a couple of weeks to get some interesting stories uh, and insight on on Alex Neal, which obviously you're not going to get anywhere else. So uh, that's perfect. Um, so moving on then, so the kind of towards the back end of this now. So uh, team selections and score predictions. Now, obviously, I'm not going to go to to Andy first this week. So um, I mean, Dan, what's your thoughts in terms of team and prediction, mate? I guess the easiest way of looking at this is. Are you making any dramatic changes from the team at the weekend? No, I think Fosu needs to stay far at the pitch. Um, whether that's a flat back four, Sterling and Fox as your full backs, Will Mac Jagielka in the middle, basic in goal, uh, Baker and Loren sort of shielding the defence, Smallbones just playing a little bit in front of them. You've got Campbell and Fosu and then Gale down the middle. That's how I'd sort of go for it. Sort of like a four-two-three-one. Okay. Okay. Um, I think it's hard to change it, isn't it? Really, when you, yeah, I think when you win. I think yeah, I think we need to stick four at the back, same eleven. I mean, even but then again, we don't know, do we? Like we've said this before. I mean, Timon, Brown, Powell. If they fit, do any of them start? Not for me. They stay on the bench. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, the lap. I think we, if we were at home, I'd be <laughs> tempted to bring Timon in at left back. But I think away from home, you're more able to say no. Leave you know, put Fox in a, as a left back if you're going to play a four, a back four. Um, the lap, obviously, the lap got his goal right at the end. Sort of linked up quite well with Tyrese. You know, he was quite unselfish. Squared it for him, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean that the lap has jumped ahead of say, Gale into the team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I can't see him making any dramatic changes, mate, but I, I agree. I think any of these guys who are coming back and, and bits like that have got to, for me, they've, they've got to be on the bench. They've got to earn their place now. Um, I think any successful team is successful by continuity. Uh, so I would say keep it there. Delap, I agree with you. I think, I know what you're saying about Delap. Um, I, I think probably needs to start, doesn't he? I, I'm not sure Alex Neal's the type of manager who sort of knee-jerk reactions. No. So it's like, yeah, he came on, he scored a goal. Now go out and do it again for me. He's that kind of manager, you know what I mean? Okay, well, you've got, you've got 20 minutes this week and you can go and score another goal. And if yeah. you do that, I might put you in next week. Or I might give you half an hour and make you score another goal. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he's one who goes, oh, well, you came on, you scored, boom, you start next week. Yeah. Straight away, yeah. do you know what I mean? Um, and so on, on the subject of Dwight Gale, you, three games in a row now he's been subbed exactly on 72 minutes. Which yeah, noticed. M- makes me think it's obviously a sort of a pre-planned tactic, would you say, for it to be the same yeah. exact minute three times in a row? Yeah, it's it's not a coincidence. I know, like we said, you know, obviously Preston have been really, been really tight, and then recently, obviously, the last couple of results, they've not been so tight. <laughs> eight goals in two games after eight goals in 12, like I conceded on four and against. But um, so Ryan Lowe seems to have got them playing together this season. I mean, I know Freddie Woodman in goals been getting some real plaudits, but I suppose you would do if you'd only conceded four and 12, wouldn't you, before this week? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Obviously, they've played again, like I say. They haven't got a massive squad either, have they? So they haven't got players who can come in and out. But do you think the fact they're playing tonight, as we record this, like Wednesday, do you think that's a lot less rest? Do you think we could, you know, the freshness might play on Saturday might be a bonus for us? 
Uh, well, yeah, I, I think so, Brent. I mean, Brent, I assume he can't, he can't, he can't be a bad thing. I was thinking exactly the same thing. This is going to play into our hands. If they're tired from tonight because they've travelled away, this could actually play into Stokes' hands because we've had a nice break and then be ready for Saturday. Yeah, and the, ma- the manager as well is able to have a week on the training ground, which is he hasn't been out because all the midweek fixtures this season. He hasn't had many of them so far, has he? So he's had another week where he's been able to drill what he wants into the players. And I yes. bet he's had somebody watching their game as well tonight, you know what I mean? Being very clever as well. Which is yeah. if he's gone to it himself, Brent. Yeah, go watch him and then find out their weak points. And then he's a sort of manager, they're very tactical. He'll know where they're weak and he'll attack that area, hopefully. Doesn't yeah, sound I mean, like he's, uh, he's got a weakness with Liam Lindsay, though, does he? He seems to have um, pulled his finger out in recent times. Yes. Well, it, if he conceded these goals like what you just said, there's some some weakness there that somebody's picking up on that, you know, maybe we need to work on that same area. It's like last, was it a couple of seasons ago, we were really rough at the right-back and every goal that came against Stoke was from right-back. So that's what you've got to do. You've got to study your opponents, work out where they conceded, why they conceded and where they're weak and just go for that area. Yeah, yeah, I yeah mean, absolutely. You said about like that right that that was when Tom Edwards was playing there, wasn't he? And he was so susceptible to the the big you know, the cross into the back post and the big striker would always peel off, get on his back and just win the ball in the air because he knew it was a tactic they could profit from. And it seemed like every week we were conceding that goal. I mean, I think sort of looking back at Preston as well, I mean they've got Emil Reese been playing up front and he scored a couple last week against Norwich. But Troy Parrott who I was quite sort of looking forward to seeing him playing for Preston this year, but he came off the bench, scored the winner against Norwich, and I think he got injured in the process because he was subbed off just a couple of minutes after, and he's supposed to be out till Christmas now, which I think leaves them with only two recognised strikers. So that you know they haven't got many options up front either, have they? Like I say, especially if they played tonight, there's no room there for sort of resting players, swapping anyone over. They're literally playing the two up there and they've only got the two two players who left fit to play them positions. Well, we'll certainly uh we'll certainly see how it pans out, mate. I mean what what uh, what scoreline you going for? Me, I'm gonna go for a two one win for Stoke. Okay. All right, interesting. Um Brent, what's what scoreline prediction from you, mate? I'm, I'm gonna say three one. Oh, lovely. Exactly what I was going for, mate. Back-to-back 3-1. Yeah, I'd like to see another three goals that that could actually send a message across the league as well. If we get two, three-goal, 3-1-3-1, it'll send a a little message that Stoke aren't being pushed around anymore. First team to score three against them all season as well. That'll be a good message, don't you think? Yeah. Three and a half thousand Stoke fans roaring them on. Well, with that, the table. Sorry, with that atmosphere we had at the end of Sheffield, at the end of the Sheffield match, if they, the state fans take that noise away, like what we have done in the past, we could make we could make a massive impact impact and uh, put Preston under a lot of pressure, considering they've lost tonight. And we could also drop them out of the top ten, and we take their place in the top ten as well. So. 
this league, I don't know if you've seen it, it's as average as it always is, to be honest with you. Um, two wins will put you into pretty much like top three, top four. It's how, it's how ridiculous this league is. So, if, I mean, we've got a potential run of games here where we've got, I think we've got Preston, haven't we? I think we've then got, is it Rotherham? Um, I Coventry. Think we may have Coventry. I mean, I know we've said it before. On paper, they're very winnable games. Very winnable games. And if you can just get two or three back-to-back wins, all of a sudden, we've got a momentum behind us. If we're playing like we've been playing at the weekend, this almost, it sounds weird, almost turns our season around a little bit. It's gone from looking like a bit of a drab season, <clears throat> let's just try and stay up, to all of a sudden then looking like, okay, well, we're looking at the top end of the, the you know, not saying top two, I'm just saying top six, maybe. Um, so yeah, I might reserve yeah. my sixth place prediction, Dan. Can I just say what you just said is actually spot on. Just look at Swansea. Swansea are at the bottom of the table and look where they are now. They've had four wins and all of a sudden they're in the pack. Yeah, the sixth, aren't they? Yeah. When was the last time we went on a run like that, though? Where we put like four or five wins together. That's what's frustrating, isn't it? That's what's frustrating about being a state fan. You think, oh, see, we, we've had real, real unluck when we've had a good win. We've either had an international break or yeah. it, it, we've been robbed. We are, oh, we're up for it. Then we've had two weeks off. And what happens straight away? We lose. It's like, oh, for, you know, let's just have a couple of good results together but without an international break. That's the trouble. We, we, yeah. we, it's so up and down the season. It's so frustrating. Could you argue, though, that hardly any team in the championship has four or five games where they win in a row? Hardly any. Forest may have, I assume, would have done it last season. Um, but very few teams go and win four or five games back-to-back. Very yeah, because everybody's so equal, aren't they? Mm. So at some point during those four or five games, you would imagine that you, you know they will get you get a red card or a goal, a fluky goal against you or something. Everybody can beat anybody. So you, to come it's on normal. to the right... It's, it's not- it's normally injuries with us. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> just, just having a look here on the spot, our, the last time we won four in a row was games 13 to 16 of the 2011-12 season. <laughs> wow. So, 10 years ago, Dan? Yeah. That was the last oh. time we won four, game, four league games in a row. <laughs> and looking hey. at it, the team when the year that we got promoted, we we didn't win four in a row. We won five in a row, games thirty to thirty four. But other than that, there was a couple of threes, including the three like second to fourth last games of the season as well. Um, but yeah, there wasn't many. There's not very often you win four or five. No, I'd like to see us have an hat trick in the game. I really would. It's been that long. John Walters was the last one, wasn't he? Yeah, the perfect, perfect hat trick. Yeah, I remember. Was there for that one? Cracking that that, that, that game was. Um, right, okay. So we better we better move on. So uh, let's go in terms of you know, very quickly, Dan. You think you've got the referee, I believe, for the weekend? Yes. So back for the third time this season. Amazingly, yeah. thirteen games in, Matt Donahue. 
So this season he's had nine games, 30 yellows, no reds. Um, but yeah, it's his third state game this season. He drew, he had the 3-1 defeat away at Huddersfield, where he gave us a penalty that we then missed. Um, and then he had the 0-0 draw away at QPR, when he didn't give us a penalty right at the end that was an absolute stonewaller. <laughs> If you he's got to make up for it then. Yeah, I remember. He's got to make up for it then, hasn't he? Yes, when Ben Wilmot wanted and the defenders just literally run into him. Yeah. Um, last season, he refed us three times. The home defeat to Derby, 2-1. The home defeat to Bristol City, 1-0. And the 3-2 opening day win against a Reading. He, a refer- he hasn't refereed Preston this season, but last season he did ref them twice. A 2-1 home win against Bournemouth. When he gave Bournemouth a red card and a nil-nil draw away at Birmingham. Hmm. Okay, bit of a mixed bag again. All right, sound. Thank you. Um, and Super Six, I want to just move on to us very, very quickly. So Andy's had a bit of a dip. He was tenth, if I remember rightly. Uh, he's now still flying high though. In nineteenth, he's got one hundred twenty-one points. Um, I'll be honest with you as well. I've had a bit of a mare this, this last week. I'd forgotten to do one of my games, um, and I think only tonight I only got six points or something like that. So pretty poor. I'm now in the sixty-fifth with hundred points. I had to remind you to do it. You did, mate. The you tables really did. have turned. <laughs> the turns have tabled, have they done? <laughs> yeah. So I I'm up to eighty-ninth. You I'm are, mate. This is what happens when I actually fill it in. Yeah, with 50, fifty-eight points. You, you'll be you'll be taking uh, taking the lead soon. Um, but I tell you what, one person you will not be catching, or one set of people, uh, Nick Green, I think, is a new face at the top of the leaderboard. He's on one hundred and forty-six points, and they've got Matthew Robinson one hundred and forty-one, and then a scattering others in the high thirties: Luke Jones, Carl Warburton, etc. Um, so uh, yeah, someone new to to get on top. And um, Bren, I, I don't think you're in our Super Six. There's one hundred and seven people in it, mate. I, I don't think you are, are you? Could be wrong. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'll, I'll be awful. Trust me, I'll be awful if I did that. Oh, don't worry, mate. You can join the club. We're all awful as well. Don't, don't worry <laughs> about that. Uh, the, the, the forfeit um, is basically one of us has to go to a veil match, whoever finishes bottom of this in the gaffer. So, yeah. Um, it was looking nailed on to be Dan, but I'm quite worried now if he's starting to do his Super 6. Um, yes, and I'm also, I'm only one point behind John Gaffer now as well. I'm above Andy. I was going to say, and, what, what, how are we in Gaffer at the minute? So, Andy's 37th on 676. I'm 32nd on 691. And you're 31st on 692. Mm. So, I triple captain Ben Brierton Diaz this week. As I thought, I thought he had uh, some good games. He was away, was he away at Wigan? And at home, who did he beat when they were at home at the weekend? I don't know. He scored at the weekend anyway. Uh, but then, obviously, they lost 1-0 at Wigan, didn't they, last, last night? So that was no good. I was expecting him to get me a nice hat-trick or something. Uh, I mean, see, I was looking at mine. Um, Baker got me 20 points. Uh, and uh, Brayton uh, Diaz as well got me 15. Uh, I think Will Keane as well uh, for Wigan is another one that got me, like, eight points as well. So, yeah, um, I need to sort out my defence, unfortunately. But um, either way, mate, I mean, it's it's very, very tight on Gaffer. And I'm quite proud of that because I don't do fancy football in any way, shape or form. So, um, yeah, I'll take it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, 
Any final thoughts? We're going to do a quiz, but this has kind of been a little bit of a long pod, so we're going to avoid the quiz this week, Dan, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'll just show you. I've got it. It's Preston specific. I'll just show you some names out very quickly. You can tell me. All right. Quick, quick fire then. Come on, Brent. We need you now, mate. We need you to show Andy up. <laughs> so, basically, Brent, I'm going to chuck some players' names at you. They played for both Stoke and Preston. You've got to tell me, did they play more games for Stoke or Preston? Okay. Okay. Start off with a nice, easy one. Ricardo Fuller. More games for Stoke or Preston? Stoke. 208 games for Stoke, 63 for Preston. Correct. His strike partner, Richard Cresswell. More games for Stoke or Preston? Preston. 206 for Preston, 83 for Stoke. Two out of two. Brilliant. Well done. Liam Lindsay. More games for Stoke, or has he played more games for Preston? This is a close one. I'm going to say Stoke. 23 games for Stoke. He's played 42 for Preston. Ooh, I was going to say, yeah, he's been there for a while now. What about Paul Gallagher? Two loan spells at Stoke. Did he play more for Stoke or Preston? Preston. I'm going to say Preston on that one. 313 games for Preston. He must have been there for about 10 years. I didn't realise he was there that long. 47 games for Stoke. Danny Pugh, more games for Stoke or Preston? Stoke. Preston. So he had two spells at Preston. We brought him from Preston and sold him to Preston. <laughs> so he had 62 games for Preston, 89 games for Stoke. Ooh, surprising. Michael Ricketts. So he had a loan spell at Stoke and then the following season a loan spell at Preston. Did he play more for us or for them? I'll go with Preston again on that one. Preston, yeah. So 16 games for Preston, 11 games for Stoke. So yeah, hey. you're right on that. Uh, John Parkin, did he play more for Stoke or Preston? As it should be, did he eat more pies for Stoke or Preston? <laughs> Preston. So he had 108 games for Preston, 39 games for Stoke. Now, this one will make you shudder. Marlon Brooms. <laughs> Did he play um, more for Stoke or Preston? Jesus. Uh, Do you want me to tell you how, play, how many he played for Preston? Okay, go on then. He played 77 games for Preston. Did he okay, have more or Preston. less for Stoke? Yeah, 42 for Stoke. Daryl Russell, did he play more for Stoke or Preston? Stoke. How do you say Stoke? 32 for Preston, 182 for Stoke. Michael Tong, did he play more for Stoke or Preston? Preston. Preston. He played 12 games for Preston, 19 games for Stoke. Oh, wow. That was close. Yeah. So, Lewis Neal, did he play more for Stoke? Or for Preston? That was a hard one. Stoke. I'll go with Stoke as well. It is a hard one because there's only four in it. So he played 78 games for Preston. He played 82 times for Stoke. Hey. And the very last, the very last one. These are <laughs> Andrew Davis. <laughs> Did he play more for Stoke or Preston? There's one in it. Preston. I would say Preston. Yeah, he played four games for Stoke and five times for Preston. 
Hey, Brian, we've played a blinder there, mate. <laughs> we must have well had done. almost perfection there. It was, I think. It was the only one that let you... I think Lee and Lindsay. Yeah. And that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, I think we nailed it. Excellent, that is. That's probably the best we've ever done. Love it. All right. Um, any final thoughts from either of you before we, we wrap this up? This could be the longest part of the season, I think. No, I think we've uh, I think we've got we've got we've got it nailed, haven't we? Got it nailed for Saturday. Three more points. Back here on Saturday night. Probably with another fill in for Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. gonna say thanks for having me. Um I hope the lads cheer them on. Make as much noise as you possibly can on Saturday. And then I fancy if we get results on Saturday, I fancy the two won't win on the bounce. And this is going to be the, like the, the big turnaround for the season. What a great place to leave it. Cheers for joining us, guys. Thank you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.